And now it's time for Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas, a local discussion focused on systemic racism, injustice, and hate in our country. Although we may not always agree, the aim of Inside Voices is to confront these truths together by sharing the voices of those facing these struggles and to find a path to making things better. We invite you to listen to this ongoing conversation. And now, here's Kevin. And welcome everybody listening black men and women, all allies in the struggle, people of all races and nationalities. You are tuned in to, to another episode of Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas here on 97.9 The Hill. We continue to have conversation about racial inequality, social justice, and what we can do in our communities and in our world to make these things better. So I am joined here today by multi-hyphenated creative and hip-hop scholar and also a professor at North Carolina State University. Also does an amazing article um, about hip-hop from a woman's perspective in the Indie Week, Independent Weekly. And she's here with us today um, to talk about what happened to Breonna Taylor and the role of black women and the status of their reality in this movement and, and currently in 2020 and beyond. So give a round of applause from wherever you're listening uh, to Kaisha Jennings. And Kai, we're glad to have you here. Thanks for being here. And thanks, Kazi, for inviting me. I'm yeah. super excited. Yeah, definitely. And um, right out the gate, you know, we last week we touched on uh, with the song, we talked about Do Black Lives Matter and what that meant in the cases of Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd. And when we have you here today, um, we want to touch on a black woman's perspective mm -hmm. authentically about the Breonna Taylor case specifically. Um, for, for people that may know or may not know or that are unfamiliar with that case, uh, Brianna Taylor was an EMT, 26-year-old African-American emergency room technician from Louisville, Kentucky. The police had been investigating two men who believed they were selling drugs out of a house that was far from Ms. Taylor's home, but a judge had signed a warrant allowing the police to search Ms. Taylor's residence because the police said they believed that one of the two men had used her apartment to receive drug packages. The judge's order was a no-knock warrant, which allowed the police to enter without warning or without identifying themselves as law enforcement. No drugs were found in the apartment. Mr. Taylor then assessing a threat that he does not know. They have not declared themselves. Uh, busting into his home between midnight and 1 a.m. Uh, put in a situation where he feels like there's an intruder or a threat. He pulls his weapon to defend himself and his girlfriend fires at those police officers and they return fire, uh, killing Breonna Taylor. And then Kenneth Walker is charged with assault, you know, aggravated assault on a police officer for defending himself and assessing this threat. Um, and this has been the initial, you know, what we know, what we had known initially, and there's more that will come out that we'll touch on. But what are your thoughts and, you know, just how do you feel about what you know about this case? So, so when you first started and asked, do Black Lives Matter uh, to most white officers, the answer is no. Um, in a recent article that I read, um, once the officers into the apartment after uh, Kenneth Walker surrendered, the officers approached him and asked him, are you hit? And he said no. And the officer rep responded, that's unfortunate. You know, like essentially identifying that he wanted to end his life and he was upset that he didn't end his life. Um, and in that same article, the officer that did get shot in the leg at that warning shot that Mr. Walker sent off, he got pulled out of the apartment and... You know, he um, was quoted in the article stating that as he was being pulled outside, 
there was more shots being fired and he didn't understand why. Like, so you have an officer who was pulled to safety. So now why are they still firing more shots? So at this point, they have no idea which officer's gun is responsible for the death of Breonna Taylor. You know, and um, her mother is also um, quoted saying that she was alive at the scene of the crime, but they didn't rush to get her EMT assistance, which then caused her to end up dying, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and then even the whole uh, approach to uh, how they even ended up at Brianna's house, right? So the guy that they was looking for was her ex-boyfriend, right? So they're automatically assuming that because uh, she had past romantic ties to this guy, that she is automatically guilty by association of helping him with whatever alleged you know, drug exchange or selling of drugs. That she was an accessory. Yeah. She was aiding and abetting. No tangible that, proof. That it was a drug house. Yeah, no tangible proof. No idea that uh, Miss Breonna Taylor is putting her life on the line at the uh, onset of the pandemic, right? You know, she's working, like, at the beginning of the coronavirus, putting her life on the line. And here they are assuming that she is automatically guilty because she had these ties to the suspect whom they were looking for. Sure. And and we're talking about serving this warrant at not three in the afternoon, not 9 a.m. We're going to serve it after midnight. Yeah. Right. And then we're going to knock in your door. We're going to knock in a way that's startling enough to make you get up out of bed and get your gun. And then when I come to assess what that threat is at my front door, my front door is knocked off the hinge with a battering ram. Mm-hmm. I shoot to protect myself, fires returned at me, I get hit with a charge, my girlfriend's dead, the police say it's unfortunate that I haven't been killed, they leave. The boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, for those of you that you know wanna delve further into this case, the 911 call is available for people to listen to at this point, and Mr. Walker calls 911 and says, I don't know what just happened. I don't know if there were police or if somebody just tried to break in, they, I shot, they shot at me, and then they left. And he's frantic. Right. And as um, he's re- um, reported in the most recent article, the officers told him uh, this was an unfortunate circumstance. Like, you know, it was a, they immediately knew that it was a mistake, mm-hmm. you know? And when we think about do Black Lives Matter, their actions after they killed Brianna and messed up his apartment by breaking down the door by wanting to charge him. And the charges that they decided to charge him were ridiculous, right. were ridiculous. I think it was like attempted murder. And, and he had a legal firearm, right. you know, registered once a, again. a legal firearm. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do anything wrong. And they just put on these onset of charges because they can, right? right? And I think the thing that is most important for people to take away um, from what happened to Kenneth Walker is the importance of voting in your local elections mm-hmm. because it was a black judge who dropped the charges mm-hmm. on Mr. Walker. Interesting. It was a black judge who intervened and said, absolutely not. Not on my watch. And so it is important that we are paying attention to who's running for DA, who um, is trying to be the attorney general, who is trying to be our local judges, right? Because these are people who, who's trying to be the police chief, right? right? With everything that's been going on in the Triangle area, you know, we've seen some, uh, you know, things that make us look side-eyed to Raleigh's police "Hmm." chief, you know? Um, And so 
it, I think the biggest takeaway uh, for me from what happened to Kenneth Walker is the importance of paying attention to your local politics because right. uh, just with uh, just, you know, good conscience, right, mm-hmm. caring for black lives, right. uh, Mr. Walker's life was saved. He almost lost his life, too. Honestly. Uh, I, you know, because mm-hmm. for no reason. Trying to do the right thing yeah. when you say the person has a a permit to carry a firearm and is using it to protect them, them themselves in their home that my girl's an EMT she went to school to work in an emergency room we're trying to stay out of trouble but the prospect of well her ex-man used to do this and I think that they used to get their drugs sent over to the house and well we'll give the warrant and we'll just go knock it in and so this is putting us in harm's way this put you know, innocent people in harm's way, even if you're doing your police work, how you went about executing your police work uh, is problematic. Yeah. It ended up in someone losing their lives. And then when you have to be accountable for your actions, when you have to be responsible for the actions that you took, um, it gets even foggier. So we'll take a break right there. We'll go to commercial. We're here with Kaisha Jennings talking about the life and, and the legacy of what happened to Breonna Taylor. And we'll continue to unpack that right here on 97.9 The Hill. This is Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas. We'll be right back. You're listening to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas on 97.9 The Hill. We'll be back with more after this. And now, back to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas. Once again, here's Kevin. And welcome back to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas on 97.9 The Hill. I'm joined here with Kaisha Jennings, and we have an ongoing conversation about what happened to Breonna Taylor and how black women are treated um, in our society, receiving the same justice, uh, healthcare. There's a lot of issues we could touch on, but specifically to this case of Breonna Taylor, um, how does an EMT end up dead in her own home from eight shots um, when they haven't done anything wrong? And uh, continuing with the facts of the case, uh, according to the New York Times, the Louisville police say they only fired inside Miss Taylor's home after they were first fired upon by Mr. Kenneth Walker, who is Miss Taylor's boyfriend. They said that Mr. Walker wounded one of the officers who was hit in the leg but was expected to make a full recovery. Mr. Walker was subsequently charged with attempted murder of a police officer, and that charge was dismissed in May. The police also assert that despite having a no-knock warrant, they knocked several times and identified themselves as police officers with the warrant before entering the apartment. Mr. Walker had said that he and Miss Taylor heard aggressive banging at the door and asked who it was, but they did not hear an announcement that it was the police. The police said that the officers forced entry into the exterior door and were immediately met with gunfire that the officers returned. Okay, one of the officers, Brett Hankinson, was fired. The other officers involved in the case, John Madley and Miles Cosgrove, have been placed on administrative reassignment, and none of those officers face criminal charges. So what is the issue and the problem here about our police account, right? What the cops said happened and what we know now to be true. Okay. The police say that they identified themselves. Lawyers for Mr. Taylor and, and, and Brianna say that the police never identified themselves before entering despite their claims. Mr. Walker was also licensed to carry his firearm. It was he was licensed to carry his firearm under the Second Amendment. Okay, Mr. Walker said that he feared for his life and only fired in self-defense, believing that someone was trying to break into his home in this midnight hour. He did not know that they were police officers and they found no evidence of drugs in that apartment. 
when the door was busted off the hinge, he basically was scared for his life responding to that threat. Okay, 911 call just after the shots were fired. Mr. Walker told a dispatcher that somebody kicked in the door and shot my girlfriend. The police incident report contained multiple errors. It listed Breonna Taylor's injuries as none, even though she had been shot at least eight times and indicated that the police had not forced their way into the apartment, though they used a battering ram to break open the door. Breonna Taylor's family also asserts that it was outrageous that the police felt it necessary to conduct this raid in the middle of the night. And then they proceeded to spray gunfire into a residence with total disregard for the value of human life and that who it might hit. There was no body cam footage available. And at this time, they found no charges against Mr. Walker, adding that they would continue their investigation. With all this new transparency, right? Mm -hmm. what, what does it say about this case that you know, we rely on, they tell us to rely on justice, trust the system, and you see a police report four pages blank that is filled out wrong with misinformation. You see charges dropped against somebody that was hit with an aggravated assault charge. What what does this say to you about, like, this whole case and, you know, just continuing this conversation? Well, it speaks to the broader issue of... Um the corruption that exists in police departments across America. Um, it also speaks to uh, the multiple reasons why conversations about defunding the police are important. You know, I think when people hear defund the police, they get so scared and it sounds um, kind of far-fetched, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't think about all the corrupt behaviors that the police take a uh, part of that is harmful to people of color, particularly black and Latino folks, right? Um, and so from the onset, the cops didn't have their body cameras on. Mm -hmm. Like, why? We would have been able to know so much more if they had their body cameras on. Right. Like, why do they think that they are above the law like to not have their body cameras on? Right. You know, the lives that we lost in 2015, 2014, uh, 2013 uh, to fight for those body cameras uh, was supposed to prevent, you know, Breonna Taylor's death. Right. And then um, just the multiple lies that keep coming out. You know, the reason why they got approved for that warrant was because uh, the officer uh, said that the postmaster confirmed that uh, drugs were being sent to uh, Breonna Taylor's house in the suspect's name. And after she dies, the postmaster comes out and says he never had a conversation and was never a part of an investigation with Louisville Police Department. Wow. You know? And right. so, I mean, it's not even just Louisville. Look at what happened in Buffalo, New York. Everyone saw it. Everyone who saw that video saw those two cops push a 75-year-old man who was not uh, any type of danger or threat, and he happened to be a white man, and they still, you know, devalued uh, his life and stepped over him as he laid there bleeding from his head. Facts. Bleeding from his head. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, even right here in Raleigh, when those two officers dragged um, and tried to arrest the 17 year old teen, you know what allowed for the charges to be dropped against the teen and the adult who was trying to protect her? The body camera. Mm. Uh, the police chief. Uh, what's her last name? Deck. Yeah. Cassandra. Can't think of her, right. her last name. Um, not that? a not a fan, but uh, <laughs> I am, um, you know. Uh, it's admirable that she is trying 
to do the right thing right. when she sees wrong things being happening, sure. you know? Right. Um, because, you know, folks are always talking about, well, what about the good police? Well, if the good police are silent when the corrupt police officers are, you know, being corrupt, then there's no such thing as a good police. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, the officers lied here, right here in Raleigh. You know, they said that the girl uh, attacked one of the officers in the body cam footage showed that that was not that did not happen. Not true. You know, that didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Wilmington, that was the worst. The three police officers who were caught on camera saying that they look forward to killing a number of black folks and that they were looking forward to a race riot. This is 2020. Yep. And if you listen to those tapes, you would think that it was 1910. Right. It's just really disappointing to see the number of lies um, and the corruption. So when you talk about, you know, for us to trust the system to to protest peacefully, to not riot, to not act out, to remain calm. We'll, we'll review the footage, let the investigation run its course, like let the system, uh, you know, mm-hmm. do its run its course. And if you were to tell me that in this case, if I were to trust the police account, it said that they never even fired a shot. It said that there was no forcible entry. Well, we know that they knocked the door off the hinge with a, with a no-knock warrant using a battering ram. And when they were met with someone defending themselves in their home, they fired shots that did in- indeed killing someone. And then to protect themselves in that moment, pressed charges against a person that was lawfully within their own you know, place of, of where they lived and defending themselves with a registered firearm protected by the Second Amendment. Now, they make these mistakes and then you tell us we have to trust ourselves, but in full transparency, there's no body cam footage. They're, they're, the only accounts are obviously information that is falsified. And then the officers maintain their jobs in their presence. Once again, this happens months uh, you know, months ago, we find out because of the cry of the people in the streets, the the people on different platforms and social media is the reason why we even know about this. And then when you want to see justice served for a person that served their lives and for, to keep other lives of Louisville citizens and American citizens alive, she was a, her career was based around saving lives mm-hmm. and no one that represents Louisville government or Kentucky government will stand up and do what's right by her. Right. And then they try to play us by assigning a black um, prosecutor to the case. Mm. Um, I believe that's his role. Um, But he doesn't seem to be on our side. Right. You know, Zora Neale Hurston said it best, all skin folk ain't kin folk. And this man just recently got engaged and is seen celebrating and having fun and releasing statements saying that he won't be bullied into making the decision. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, what does bullying have to do with the facts that are present? You know, yeah. like, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, what's more important is that, you know, one cop did get fired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he can go apply and work at another police station, just like the killer of Tamir Rice did. Right. You know, and so there really needs to be more transparency and more accountability. I think once cops lose their um, immunity Mm -hmm. and once cops start uh, being reprimanded for their abuse of power, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not to say that, um, you know, black folks uh, devalue and don't appreciate uh, 
you know, what police officers are supposed to do, right? It's not to say that. Um, but if, if you sign up for this job, fearing your life cannot be the excuse every single time, you I know? know? I know. That means that maybe you're not fit to do the job. Amen. You know, there has to be uh, more uh, empathy uh, for the folks that they encounter. Mm-hmm. There has to be way more empathy. Even when we think about Rashad Brooks in Atlanta, um, and I've seen an amazing uh, response is regardless if he uh, instigated that situation or not, even if somebody commits a crime, it doesn't warrant them to die. Like the right. police job is not to kill somebody because they're a criminal. Right. The use of force yeah. is excessive. It goes straight from zero to I need to kill this to assess this threat. And uh, yeah, all very strong points. We're going to take another break here. You're listening to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas right here on 97.9 The Hill. We'll be right back. You're listening to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas on 97.9 The Hill. We'll be back with more after this. And now, back to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas. Once again, here's Kevin. And welcome back to Inside Voices. This is Kevin Kazi Thomas, and you're listening to us on 97.9 The Hill. I'm joined with Kaisha Jennings, and we're continuing conversation about what happened to Breonna Taylor and what happens to black women in our society when it's their turn for the call to be for justice. Um, and so continuing this conversation, you can't have this conversation about what happened to Breonna Taylor and why it's taking so long for her case to see, excuse me, the light of day and to receive justice without talking about, you know, where black women feel they are and how they're regarded in in our society in general. Um, Often you will hear that it is the most underserved, unprotected, uh, you know, status of of human being in in our country is the black woman and at the same time the dirty work that's always involved in pushing these movements forward whether it be black lives matter as it is in this case with uh, alicia garza P- patrice colors and opal Tometi, or the me too movement with a uh, tarana burke it is oftentimes the black women lead these movements and so for anybody out there listening we always like to bring it back to peace optimism hope what can we do mm-hmm. what can Black men, black women, allies in the struggle, all colors, nationalities. What can we do uh, towards putting energy towards fixing this? Yeah, um, we have to keep our foot on their necks. And when I say that, that means sending emails to the DA's office, to the mayor's office. Um, that means uh, making sure you are staying tapped into your local politics. You're, you are attending your city council meetings, um, specifically for Breonna Taylor, uh, the um, campaign that they ran for her birthday, um, it requested for people to not only send emails, but send visible cards. Um, and so this time with Breonna Taylor, I um, kind of stepped up in like what activism looks like for me. And I sent physical cards um, to uh, the mayor's office and the DA's office and was able to write a note on Breonna Taylor's birthday to remind them that she should be here to celebrate you know, her 27th birthday, um, making sure we vote to uh, black social justice organizations um, that we donate to black social justice organizations that we donate to these bailout funds that um, can protect our protesters right can protect the people on the forefront um, so you don't have to uh, 
put yourselves out on the front lines, right, you can be just as supportive um, in the safety of your home. I think what's been uh, beautiful in the sense of trying to find a sense of optimism and a sense of hope is that uh, black women creatives have been uh, gun-ho to not let Breonna Taylor's name be forgotten. You know, um, there was a campaign for her birthday led by uh, black women celebrities. And then even after that, um, from Rhapsody to Jada Pinkett to Alicia Keys, um, there was these videos that surfaced online uh, starting off with what happened to Breonna Taylor. And so I think the, the main goal is to remind people to never forget her name. Just say and her name. Is yeah, a part like of Kimberly Crenshaw started mm-hmm. to say, like, say her name and to not let people forget. And what's happened in Breonna Taylor's case that we haven't seen before is these memes pop up. Um, and there's been some critiques of the memes, um, but I think that there's some power to them that reminds us that the trivial things that we focus on in the day to day, it don't mean anything because Breonna Taylor killers are still walking free. Right. 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 And so when people are focused on August Alcina and Jada Pinkett, we need to remind them anyways, what happened to Breonna Taylor. Right. I agree. And it's what we were talking about. The distractions, you know, taking on your mama and uncle Ben off is one thing. We want justice and accountability. Uh, when people kill black men and women, uh, unarmed or with, you know, regardless of the, of, you know, when the facts come out, once the facts and the evidence are presented. We're not against police doing their jobs, but this is not that case. Mm-mm. The three cases that we've seen haven't been that case. In the case of Sandra Bland, that wasn't the case. Atani mm-hmm. Jefferson, there's other names we could go on and on with um, hashtags of black women who then die. And then your case, you may not even know their case. Right. It doesn't even receive the media attention. Um, and even when black women gone have gone missing in the past right. and their cases and how that long that takes to resolve so i you know for everyone listening out there that continues to tune in the inside voices continue to say her name to do your research if you don't know educate yourself about why these things are important and in doing your role continue to make if you haven't start to do so but continue to create safe spaces for black women to be authentically themselves to speak their truth and to lend their leadership. Yeah, and one Trust final thing, Kazi. You'll be better for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Breonna Taylor's law was passed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Louisville passed the Breonna Taylor law. So this means that moving forward, no knock warrants are no longer allowed. And so when I say keep their, your foot on their necks, you know, it's working. We got to keep the pressure on them. We cannot let them think that we forgot. It's been 100 days, more than 100 days since she died and her killers are still walking free. Um, and yes, one has been fired. Yes, we got the law passed. And that is all amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to be in jail. I feel confident that, you know, like I said, there's been one officer fired and then the person that issued the warrant was also fired, uh, continuing to bring attention to this case and uh, continuing to keep pressure on it, as you would mm-hmm. say, keep the foot on the neck mm-hmm. of this situation. I think that we will see justice. And um, I thank you for coming here and sharing this. Thank uh, you for having yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. And let everybody know where they can find you on social media and everything. Uh, so my social medias are the same. It's just Kaisha Jennings. So that's K-Y-E-S-H-A Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you could also see my writings in the Indie Weekly. Um, I have a column coming out, a bi-weekly column that will focus on the local hip-hop scene in North Carolina. Um, and in general, I write about hip-hop and black culture. 
Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. And that does it for another episode of Inside Voices. I'm your host, Kevin Kazi Thomas. I'd like to thank Kaisha Jennings for being here with us for this discussion. And uh, we will continue this conversation every Sunday at 2.30 right here on 97.9 The Hill. If you are interested in being on the show or you have any comments, concerns, or something you want to hear us talk about, you can email us at insidevoices at wchl.com. That's insidevoices at wchl.com. Please tune back in next week, Sunday at 2.30, for another conversation. I'm your host, Kevin Kazi Thomas. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Inside Voices with Kevin Kazi Thomas on 97.9 The Hill. Catch this episode and more by visiting our on-demand page at chapelborough.com. What you mean?